You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. I'm going to try that again. Good morning, Exchange. I didn't do it right the first time. I'm sorry. I am so glad to be here. I've missed you. It's been, I think, about three years since I had the opportunity to be here in person. Uh, Occasionally, I send a a video kind of update of what's happening. But everything that they just said is true. So y'all support Soul City on a monthly basis and give us the opportunity to serve the souls of Midtown. So we look for very creative, very specific ways for us to be able to do that. Um, We are in a neighborhood right behind Baptist Hospital. So we're in inner city Jackson. 65% of people make $15,000 or less a year uh, in our neighborhood. And so we look for creative ways to be able to create jobs for people. So I want to tell y'all real quick of a really cool story that's happening for us right now of God doing the impossible. There is a swimming pool at the end of our street. The city of Jackson owns that swimming pool. And about six weeks ago, the city of Jackson unanimously voted to allow Soul City Church to reopen that city swimming pool so that our neighborhood will have a place, an oasis, if you will, to go enjoy and have fun. It gives us the opportunity to hire people from our neighborhood to run the pool, to be lifeguards. And so literally we are praying for life change to happen as we watch God take what was old, dirty, and nasty and transform it into something beautiful, gracious, and usable. Isn't that what he... Isn't that what he does in our lives? And so we're taking the opportunity to see a swimming pool transformed as a picture of what God does in all of our individual hearts and lives. I brought a friend with me today. Are y'all okay with having friends? Yeah, okay. So I brought my friend, Pastor James Woods. He's sitting in the back here. Pastor James is one of the very first people that we met in the neighborhood. When I met him, he was, I'm not going to say how much bigger he was then than he is now, but he was a good bit bigger then than he is now. He's currently still 6'2 and 300 something pounds. Big guy. And so I'll never forget, we knocked on his door and his wife answered the door and my wife and her started talking about homeschooling and we ended up sitting in their living room. And just a few minutes later, Pastor James walked in that door and I was scared. Let me just be honest with you. I was intimidated. We were doing a children's camp. And so um, we were in a local park there and he came every day of that camp. But he didn't come over and talk to me. He stood off at the slides like this. And he watched. And I, did I tell you, he was 6'2", 250? And he watched. At the end of that camp, his daughter prayed to receive Christ. Amen. Oh, yeah, I know. That's exciting for you. But I had to go to the 6'2", black guy in the corner and tell him. <laughs> and so I went over to, to Pastor James, and I started telling him about what God was doing in his daughter's life, and that sparked a friendship and a relationship with my best friend um, and a guy that serves on staff with us now. He is the restoration pastor. He restores buildings, and he restores lives. And so it's a really cool story, and so Pastor James, we're glad you're here. 
I want you to know y'all are my people. I noticed that. You know how I noticed that? At 11 o'clock, this place was half full. (laughs) Right? And now look at it. It ain't half full anymore. You know what else? Y'all got some spunk. Y'all got some energy. Y'all got life. I can tell it. I like it. I can feel it. In fact, there's a couple of guys back here. You've been screaming at the guys in the baptistry, right? So I want to show, I preach at an inner city church. If you don't scream at me, I think I did it wrong. Okay? So I need you to scream at me today. And I'm, I feel like you're a screaming group. And I think I can be, I think I can know this is my people. You ever been in a situation when God didn't make sense? It's a number of circumstances and a lot of times it's circumstances that we put ourselves in and we look back and go, God, you don't make any sense. Sometimes when I read scripture, I look at it and go, God, you don't make sense. If I were God, that's not how I would have done it. Aren't you glad you're not God? <laughs> in fact, that's what I've come to realize is that when God doesn't make sense, He's really doing the most godlike things that He can do. Because it doesn't make sense for me to be able to put Him in my little box. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a good little Baptist boy and I like my boxes. I'm going to talk about that. Because I, I like for things to come together and to make sense and all four corners make a perfect square. And God says, I will not be confined to your body. Yeah, I like that. I ain't going to be confined. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a story of a guy that doesn't fit in the box. In fact, he's been ostracized from the box. One of my good friends, Dr. John Perkins, has a ministry in downtown Jackson, has written 15 to 20 books. He's a national bestseller and really unknown in his home state. He says this, you don't give a man dignity, you affirm it. Now that'll preach, won't it? You don't have to give people something that God's already given them. You just see what God's already done and reveal that. I like that, man. That is talk. You talk about life giving. You talk about old and new. You talk about a great exchange. If we can start pointing out the spots in people where they have dignity already, suddenly life starts to change. But I don't know about you, but dignity is one of those things that I can take from myself as quick as anybody else can take from me. And all of a sudden, I can stop feeling like I have dignity. We're going to bump into a man that I believe if we use our sanctified imaginations, we will recognize he's lost his dignity. And we're going to watch how Jesus encounters this man. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, 
the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Let's stop for just a second. We're going to pop in and out of this text. Y'all okay with that? So we're going to read it and come back to it. I'll talk a little bit and we'll come back to it. In these lay a multitude of invalids. That's a compound word right there, right? Invalids. Two words. What are they? Invalid. Invalid. The world, and honestly, these people have looked at themselves and they say, we are invalid. They're blind, they're lame, and they're paralyzed. What happens in our life that prevents us from being able to see? From being invalid. What happens in our life that gets us to the point that we're stuck and we just can't take another step? Have you ever been paralyzed in your tracks? Just stuck? I know I need to be doing stuff. I got so much to do. I don't even know where to start. And so I'm just not going to start. Y'all ever done that? I got so much to do. There's clothes and grass and people and kids. I'm just going to go... Get me a Twinkie and sit on the couch. <laughs> I just get stuck. I mean, life can just happen to us. It just, it just steps in and it paralyzes us and, and we get stuck in these, they lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. When that happens to you, how do you feel? Depressed. Worthless. You know what I start doing? Start shooting on myself. You should get up. You should do this. You should do that. You should. You should. You should. You should. You should. You should. You know what? Stop shooting on yourself. Man, I believe that's where this multitude of people sit. Verse 5. One man. One man was there who had been an invalid that's what I like to say. For 38 years. I'm not that old. I'm more than 38 though. 38 years. He's been sitting beside this pool. For 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there. He knew that he had already been there a long time. What happened? What did it say? When Jesus did what? When Jesus did what? Saw him. When Jesus saw him. For 38 years he's been sitting here. And Jesus walks by. And he sees him. You ever felt like you were hidden? You ever felt like you were unseen? You ever felt like nobody knows, nobody, I don't make a difference, I don't make an impact? I want you to hear this. The king and creator of the universe is walking by and he sees and he knows your pain. 
He sees right where you are. He knows the story that you are telling yourself. He knows what is happening. Our God looks and he sees and he identifies with the pain that we walk through, with the lies that we tell ourselves and the lies that have been told over us. Craig Rochelle wrote a book and the opening line in that book says this, a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it's true. What? lie do we believe that leaves us sitting beside a pool, invalid, paralyzed, blind, lame, stuck? I don't know about you, but I can believe lies. I can believe that I need you to believe me. I need you to know that I get my self-worth. You know what? That's not what we just sang, is it? What did we sing? Said, I'm not going to be defined by my failure anymore. That's my father's job to define me. Amen. It's not my job to get my definition from who you think that I think that I think that we think that you think that we are that I am. It's my job to say, God, you're defining me, and so I'm going to walk in that. I must be who my father says that I am. In fact, it's not even I must be that. I am that. I already am who he says that I am. You already are who he says that you are. Who does he say that you are? Pick up the book of Ephesians and read through it. And you are created. You are purposed. You are loved. You are cherished. You are you. And Dr. Seuss would say there's nobody more you are than you. Be who you are. God's created us to do that. And so he sees and he knows. And I want you to hear this. Jesus sees him and he looks at him. He's been there a long time. At the end of verse 6, he says to him, Do you want to be healed? That's a simple question, isn't it? I'm going to ask it here. Do you want to be healed? Yes, right? I mean, I don't have to think about this one. I don't have to call a friend. That's a simple answer, right? I can win the who wants to be a millionaire on that question. Do you want to be healed? Yes. How does this guy respond? The sick man answered him. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going in, someone steps down in front of me. You hear his answer? It's a simple yes or no question. Do you want to be healed? And what does he say? He has these beliefs going on in his head. And these beliefs are limiting him. He is looking at Jesus Christ, the Lord and the Savior, the creator of all things, who has all power, who is all-knowing, who will look at him in a moment, doesn't even have to be around, just says you're going to be healed. And the dude is healed. But he looks at him and says, I can't be healed. I'm invalid. He has these beliefs in his head that are limiting not just himself, but they're limiting everything around him. He does not believe. And he's done this. He started buying the lie. It's their fault. You ever felt like it was their fault? <laughs> I'm the master of it being their fault. I know how to be right. 
And I know how to prove that I'm right. You ever proved that you were right? You know who wins when you prove that you're right? Nobody. I'm good at it, though. My poor wife. She tells me if I wasn't a preacher, I'd be a lawyer. That ain't a compliment. Because I like to prove that I'm right. And when I'm right and I know that I'm right, buddy, I can get pretty self-righteous. And I can shove it in your face and I can show it and I can give you a detailed Excel spreadsheet of why I was right. Because you know what happens to me in my mind? I get insecure. And I get scared. And when I get scared, I puff up. Yeah, I mean, you can see how manly I am. And I feel the need to, to get bigger and to get stronger and to prove it. Because they're wrong. They shouldn't have done that to me. They should have helped me. As bad as I am about shouldn't on myself, I'm twice as bad at shouldn't on other people. That's what he's doing. They should have helped me. They should have put me in the pool. If they would have, I wouldn't still be here. I wouldn't be invalid anymore. I'd be able to walk if I could just get in that pool of that water here. You're talking to the creator of the universe. He just asked you if you want to be healed, and you said, I can't. Then he goes, and I'm not enough. I'm too slow. I try to get in that pool, but the faster people beat me every time. I just don't measure up. You ever not measured up? You ever walked into a situation and said, Whew, let, me, let me be honest with you. Told you I'm a church planner, right? Bryant May. Y'all know that guy? Okay, good. I thought y'all might know him. He did my church plant training. Man, for six months, eight months, I don't know, once a month we'd get together and he's teaching me how to do all these things. Dude, I walk into the exchange and y'all are rocking. Uh, you know? Pastor James, what do you think? Man, your band is jamming. You're, it's set up perfectly in here. You're baptizing people in every service. You got the crew back there that's here early, and they're making sure everything flows and goes well. The room starts empty and ends full. I mean, it's just like, it's amazing. And you walk in and go, ah, it can be intimidating. It can be. And you can start to go, y'all aren't that much older than we are as a church, but look how much further along you are. Man, maybe I'm not quite the leader that Bryant May is. Maybe I'm not, maybe, anybody else start telling themselves those stories? Doing that little comparison, stupid game that God doesn't want us to play? Because God didn't call me to Pearl. God called me to Midtown Jackson. And our ministry looks different. And the effects of our ministry look different. And you can clap. I'm okay with that. And so I can walk into this building and go, praise God. God, look what is happening as people are getting baptized in the water. And they're saying, you know what? I was shy, but now I'm just quiet. Because Jesus changed me. Now, identity is not what it was. It's what it is. 
And so you can walk in and you can celebrate the victories and go, God is moving all over our city and man, we need him to move. Because if he doesn't move, we're without hope. So we start telling these lies to ourselves. He has told his lies to this, his self for 38. I don't think his self is a word. Is it? Do we have an English teacher in here? That doesn't pass, does it? His self? It's himself. I apologize. He's been telling him, himself this lie for 38 years to the point that he has the opportunity to meet somebody that can change it. And he, what does he do? He tries to convince Jesus of the lie. You ever tried to convince God of the lie? God looks at you and says, I want to do something impossible, miraculous, and I want to change your life. And you go, yeah, but to God. He looks at Jesus and tries to tell him the reasons that he can't be healed. What reasons do you tell Jesus that you can't be healed? You know how we do it? By keeping it to ourselves. We tell Jesus every time that we try to face that battle alone. I did it this week. Tuesday, I was driving to Tuscaloosa. I can't even believe I said those words. I was not going to the University of Alabama. I want you to know I desecrated Bryant May's office the last time that I was here. I felt like that was my spiritual gift to the exchange. I have a friend there. I was doing a spiritual emphasis week at Tuscaloosa Christian School. On my way, my wife called me to tell me of a struggle that my 15-year-old son was going through. My friend that I'm staying with, Jerry Tyson, has a son that's six months younger than my son. We both have five children. As my wife told me all those things, I was burdened. I was overwhelmed. I was debating, do I turn around and come home? What do I do? And both of us decided it was best for me to continue and to do the next steps that I needed to do. So I got to Jerry's house and I sat there and everything in me said, don't say a word. Man, you talk about ministry, you talk about the kids, you talk about this, you talk, but don't say a word. You just hide that. For four hours, we sat there and we talked and we caught up and we laughed and we cried and we, all the stuff that you do when you haven't seen your buddy in a while. He and his wife said, well, it's time to go to bed. And I grabbed and started white-knuckling that couch. Because everything in me said, if you say anything, he'll never let his kids hang out with your kids again. He'll question how you could even be a pastor and have something like that happen. He'll, he'll, he'll mock. He'll make fun. He'll hurt. It's my friend I'm talking about. Those are the lies that I'm telling myself about my friend. White knuckling that couch, and I finally said, I need to tell you. Here's what's going on. Boom, 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 boom. In a way that only Jerry Tyson can do, his eyes got this big, and he said, about six months ago, this happened with us. Boom, 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 boom. He said, me too. He said, the same God that delivered us is going to be the same God that delivers you. I've since called James and I've, I've let people know, hey, here's where we are. Here's what we're struggling through. And you know what? There's a, bo- a, a bag of rocks that have been on my back that suddenly fell. What'd you come in here today with thinking, I ain't telling nobody. 
Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you got an addiction. And you're looking at me right now going, there ain't no way I'm telling nobody nothing. And can I tell you, that's you looking at Jesus going, you can't heal. I'm too much, and you're not enough. Every time that we hide, whatever that is, we're answering Jesus' question, do you want to be healed? With the excuses of why we can't. Do you want to be healed, Jesus says. God gives him all these answers. So Jesus responds in verse 8. He says to him, Get up. Take your bed and walk. What? For 38 years, he's been sitting beside this pool. He's too slow to get in the pool because people get there before him. Nobody will help him into the pool. He's stuck. If he could get up, take his bed and walk, he would have done it 38 years ago. God commands him to do the impossible. God is commanding us to do the impossible. Not because we can, because he already did. And so he looks at him and he says, get up. Do what you've been telling yourself you can't for 38 years. Get up. You use your imagination when you read scripture. I mean, do you actually put yourself there and act like you're a, a dirty spot by a dirty pool? And Because I, mean, I want you to know, if you're just reading words on a page, it's just words on a page. But what does it look like for this man? I mean, think about it. He's laid there, all laid out. Hey, give me some money. Put me in the pool. Please put me in the pool. <coughs> you, you dirty dog. Why didn't you put me in the pool? Get up. Take your bed and walk. Who are you? Don't you know if I were laying here, I wouldn't have to do that? Get up. Yes, sir. I'm up. Take your bed. What? Take your bed. You know what he's telling him? You're not coming back. You don't have to come back here. You've been stuck for 38 years. Get this bed. You've made it your home. This ain't your home. Our Father's house is your home. You're not confined to this pool any longer. Get up. Take your bed and walk. Now, let me ask you a question. If for 38 years you've been laying beside a pool and all of a sudden you miraculously stand up and you take your bed, are you walking out of there? No. No, What are you doing? You're running. You're hopping. You're jumping. You're skipping. You're going, I'm back. You know what happens when you respond that way? Everybody around sees it. God commands him to do the impossible. He does the impossible. And when you start doing the impossible, people can't help but notice that the impossible just happened. I look around the room. I look at my own life and I go, what are those impossible things? Some of you have broken addiction in this room. You know that's impossible? You know, the, 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 the ties of addiction are unbelievable. The failure rates are astronomical. Every time that you conquer that addiction, dude, you just did the impossible. And I want you to hear this. People see it. 
people know it. And you can't just walk through the crowd anymore. You're hopping, leaping, and running. But people noticed. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Don't you love the cold water committee? (laughs) Jesus is doing the impossible. So let's go over here and make sure that we squelch any sign of revival. We don't want that to break out. We don't want people thinking that they can carry their beds away. We want them to know they're stuck where they are. I mean, why couldn't the guy just wait till Monday to come pick it up? (laughs) Told the first service and I'll tell you. I wish I could identify with the Jesus in this thing. I wish I could really identify with the invalid in this thing. You know who I identify with more than anybody? Stinking Pharisees. Because I told you, I fit in my good little Baptist box. It says, here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. Here's how it should look. Here's how it wouldn't look. Here's I can give you the rules. I can tell you what it's supposed to look like. And I can try to enforce them in people's lives. But these guys don't sound like the heroes of the story. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. I, I love that statement. 38 years, this guy's been stuck there. And the only thing that we can say to him is, why are you carrying your bed? So, Mark Driscoll tells the story of a, uh, his church plant. The guy came to him and said, did you know that your door uh, greeter is smoking cigarettes? And Mark Driscoll went, praise Jesus. The guy said, how can you say that? He said, last week it wasn't cigarettes. <laughs> These guys are looking, saying, how can you do that? Verse 11. He answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. How does that happen? I'll tell you why. He just did the miraculous. He just did the impossible. He didn't care who it was. He didn't know who it was. He just knows he was dead. Now he's alive. He was stuck. He was an invalid. And all of a sudden he's valid. He was lame. And now he can walk. It didn't matter. I want you to understand something. We don't always get all the details of who Jesus is and understand it all when it happens. We don't have to have it all down when it happens. All we have to know is that the king of the universe stepped into my life and gave me the ability to do what I thought was impossible. I don't even know who he is. Now that the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in place. Afterward, Jesus found him. You never have to worry. Jesus ain't going to leave you out to dry. Jesus found him. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, See, you were well. For a long time I read this verse like a Pharisee. 
Sin no more that nothing else worse may happen to you. Ha ha! You dirty sinner! I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Hey, sin no more. That nothing else worse will happen. Man, that's been rough. You're taking up your mat. You don't have to go back. Stop sinning. For 38 years, this dude's been stuck on a mat beside a pool. What's his sin? What would your sin be? If you were the one stuck by that pool. Probably not a physical sin. It's an internal sin. It's actually a sin that's happening between his ears. Self-pity. Eeyore. I'm all alone. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I'll just go eat worms. Right? How many of you would be Eeyore in that scenario? I don't know that my hand can get high enough. How many of you would be the, the angry invalid? Hey, you! Help me! You sorry, selfish, unbelievable. I can't believe that you wouldn't help me. It wouldn't take that much for you to just put me in the pool. It's not that hard. I'm not that heavy. I can't even eat. <laughs> right? Or how many of you would go to the I'm worthless. The reason nobody has done this, the reason my family hadn't helped, the reason that my nobody is around is because I'm awful. You recognize that all of those are believing that lie and then they're affecting your life as if they're true? And, and every bit of that, I think Jesus looks at him and says, Stop. I think he's nice. I don't think he's mean Pharisee Jesus here. Don't do that anymore. I don't want you stuck. The man went away. He told the Jews that it was Jesus that had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing those things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I'm working. I think Jesus might have said that one a little feisty. Like, y'all are missing it. You don't understand. This man was just set free. And you're upset about this external sin. How many of you have ever tried to stop an external sin? I have. Try to stop doing this activity. And here's what Jesus said. That'll stop when we address the internal. That'll stop when we stop believing the lies that are leading us to that external sin. Does that external sin matter? Yeah. It ain't near as big as what's happening on the inside. Bring what's on the inside 
to the outside and watch my light expose all the darkness that you have on the inside and all of a sudden watch healing really happen. I think Jesus is looking at you and I think he's looking at me and he's telling us the exact same thing. Get up. Stop believing that you're stuck. I'm the creator of the universe. I have enough power to give you everything to do the impossible. Get up. Take your mat. You don't ever have to come back here again. And walk. Church, I believe he's calling one. Multitude of invalids were there that day. And I look around this room and I say, who's he calling today? Who came in here believing the lie? Who came in here knowing I ain't telling nobody nothing about this? Confess our sins to God that we'll be healed. Confess our sins to one another that we may be whole. We need each other. We need the opportunity to stop hiding and to step out from the shadows and say, God, I need you. Jesus, heal me on the inside and allow me to leave here with my mat in my hand even if it is the Sabbath, walking because you bring healing. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.